Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Hello, everybody. Again. Good morning, I should say. Uh Uh-huh. Everybody's good so far, correct? All right, uh, I'm good too. Let me just open this up here um, very quickly. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk on the second part of the series. Take a drink of water. Hmm, that's really good. On, um, on the scarlet thread, scarlet thread of redemption. I got to be honest with you that uh, I wasn't going to preach today, and I know you're sad over that, right? Oh, God, four of you, but anyway, okay. But, um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't scheduled to teach today. I, I try to only teach about 42 out of 52 Sundays a year. I want to give our younger ministers opportunity because we have great young ministers. Amen? Amen. And as, um, <clears throat> as I age, I want to make sure we have good, strong teachers and ministers in our church. And so that's a very important thing to me. Um, but otherwise, I could preach 104 times a year. It don't matter to me. I'm, I'm good to go. So, um, but Charlie, Pastor Charlie Headley was to speak, and he got the flu, and so bad cold or something like that, I, I think, right, something like that, I'm looking at his wife, something like that, or just because he's married to you, I don't know, what is it, but um, so, but this was, uh, so I didn't get home last night till about 7.30, and I had to start writing some notes down, and this morning I had about 40 minutes to type it up, so um, if I look at my notes a lot today, just know that I didn't have my normal uh, preparation process that I normally go through. But I have been reading the Bible and studying and preaching for 42 years, so I should be okay, amen? Yeah, it's like you doing your job. Yeah, of course I'll come in and do it, you know, you know like nothing. Well, we're going to talk about this scarlet thread. Last week we began with um, uh, the Bible itself, and I hope you enjoyed that. We answered some questions, not everything, but uh, we know the Bible is not a book. It's a collection of 66 letters put together, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, put together in one volume, correct? Remember that one right there? It was written by over 40 different authors, over 1,500 years on three different continents, Europe, Asia, and some in Africa, and there are no contradictions whatsoever in this whole thing. And today we're going to see that there's no contradictions. In fact, there are these consistencies all the way through it when we're talking about the scarlet thread. Now, how many of you have ever uh, driven up the 395 freeway here in California? Um, It's one of my, if not my, favorite drive in the entire, for me personally, in the entire world. I I love that drive. I've I've been going up and down that thing, um, I would say, since, uh, well, regularly since somewhere in the 80s. First time I went up, I was probably about... 14 or 15, maybe back in like 1997 or 8, it was something like that, and, you know, 1970, 71, and, uh, and I've always loved it, and if you know, you, you drive, and you go to Victorville, you're driving towards Victorville on the 15, but then you come to the 395 turnoff, correct, and you make that turn, and you stay on the 395, you're going to go through the beautiful town of Adelanto, if you're from there, God bless you, but... That's the last place I ever got a ticket. They caught me speeding there in 1998, and I told myself I'll never get a ticket again, okay? So, um, but you go through Adelanto, and you continue to follow that road, and eventually you, you pass through a beautiful place like Red Mountain in Johannesburg, and how many know those places? You know, Ransburg, right? It's like you want to get through as fast as you can, and that's about it. And, 
and, and then you go all the way down and you come towards the High Sierras and you make that hard right turn. You pass the Pearsonville gas station there, that Shell station. Anybody stop there regularly like we do as a family? That's one of our regular stops just to use the restroom. And of course, they have plenty of candy there. And then when you keep going up and you know you get past the place where uh, Olancha, where they make bottle the Crystal Springs crystal geyser water right right and then you keep going up and you hit lone pine and you know you, and if you've never driven it those are speed traps if you're going 85 it's all of a sudden 75 65 55 45 then you got to slow down to you're like 25 miles an hour in those cities you go up lone pine and you go through independence california independence right and that's where i think where they when they caught uh, charles manson that's where they put him in jail there when they first caught him on, on he was destroying heavy machinery equipment like things like that and then you press past the Bristol Cone sign, Bristol Cone Pine sign, trees. Have you ever seen that sign right there? Yeah, I've, I've gone up that way because those trees up there, it's quite a ways. They're the oldest things on planet Earth. They date to the Noah's flood. Then you keep going up and you, you go through a big pine, which is one of my favorite backpacking trails. But if you keep going up, then you come to Bishop, California, right? And now they have this really nice barbecue place in the last couple, three years. They're owned by Christians and I really like it and recommend it. And then you keep going up and you're going to come into the Mammoth area up in there and mammoth is really cool and you keep going and driving up and eventually you're going to get near you know where you're going up towards minden and places like that carson city and if you keep going up and not take the tahoe turn off which i take but if you keep going up then you're going to eventually get to reno anybody ever been that way going up there so you have this one road and it takes you all it takes you all the way up and you're passing all these different locations but you're still on that one 395 freeway right that is the thread but it's a thread that takes you through all these places. One of the cool things about this collection of 66 letters that people say, there's contradictions, and we say, no, there isn't. And by the way, when they ask you, there are contradictions, always ask them what? Show them to me. Let's get a Bible, you show them to me. If they ever say, there's mistakes there, what should you ask them right away? Show them to me. Show me the mistakes. They cannot show them. They just, they're just telling you something somebody told them, who somebody told them, who somebody told them, and they're not scholars. They're bloggers. They've never published anything of any scholarly thing, you know, recognized. So always remember that. But this, this, this collection here, it's got a, a, a Highway 395 in it. It's got a scarlet thread. And in that scarlet thread, it takes you through so many different Old Testament, what we, which should be called the Jewish Scriptures, that gives you occurrences of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Now, for some of you maybe newer, you're thinking, wait a minute, didn't Jesus begin to exist? New Testament, 2,000 years ago? No. That's when he came in the flesh. That's when he came on the scene. That's when God the flesh came. But before that, you see occurrences all through the Old Testament of Jesus Christ. You see all kinds of things. And so you see this reoccurring thing, this highway that travels to the Old Testament. <clears throat> now, I remember when I was in a theology class back in around 19, I want to say 89 or 1990 at Vanguard University, and my professor, he pointed out this to me, and I, and I thought, didn't know that, I never thought of it that way. He goes, and I should have, but uh, he said, uh, in the scriptures, you find a certain thing that's called the law of reoccurrence. In other words, things reoccur and reoccur and reoccur. And by the way, the reason for that is, is because you and I as humans, do we pick it up on the first time? Do we pick it up on the second time? How many times does it take you to tell your kid to clean the room and make their bed before they do it? Infinity, right? Infinity, they don't get it. But they're, but they're no different than you and I, correct? 
When it comes to doing the right things, God can tell us and tell us. So there's a law of reoccurrence. One of the ways you see that is how, look at next time you read through the Gospels, how many times did Jesus tell the disciples, hey, we're going to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me. I'm going to be tortured. They're going to kill me. Three days later, I'll rise again. Did they get it? No, they didn't get it because we know that when Jesus was crucified and buried, none of the disciples expected Jesus to rise from the dead, huh? Nobody expected nobody in the tomb on that Sunday morning. They're all hiding. And so they didn't get it. Law of reoccurrence, law of reoccurrence. And so we find this throughout the Old Testament in the scarlet thread of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to show you where it begins. Then I'm going to give you two simple things today. I'm going to cover more scriptures than I normally do because I didn't have a lot of time to think of the examples and illustrations. Is that okay today? Yes, yeah, I bet it is. Uh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, watch in Genesis 3. Jim again, yeah. Genesis 3.15, but watch now. We're progressing further than we did in the 10-week series. Watch what it says here. It says, this is after the fall, Adam and Eve sinned. We've covered that already, correct? You guys should know that like the back of your hand now, correct? Now, in Genesis 3.15, now becomes part of a prophetic statement of Jesus to come. It says, and I will put, and by the way, there are 330 or 32 Old Testament prophetic statements about Jesus to come. They're almost all fulfilled. How can somebody fulfill all those things except that they are God in the flesh? We'll talk, I'll talk about that in about three weeks. But anyway, Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking about Satan right now. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head. He is the Messiah to come. We know him as Jesus Christ. But before that, he was one of the gods in the, in the triumph Godhead. Um, he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And crucified victims, they have a massive bruises on their heel. That's as imagery, by the way. But, but this is talking about the Messiah. The moment, the, I mean seconds, minutes after Adam and Eve sinned, and mankind is now hurtled into separation from God, dead in their spirit. Um, now God says, I got a plan. And the plan is, I'm going to send the Messiah. I'm going to send the seed of the woman. Now, Satan now knows that the Messiah will now come through a woman, correct? So how terrified do you think Satan got whenever he saw a Jewish woman carrying a child? You have to think like, oh my gosh, is this woman, is this it, is this it, is this it? So for a long time, I think Satan's kind of nervous. Now, that's, that's where the Messiah stayed. Now, look at chapter 3, verse 21. Now, this is where God makes his first move on the scarlet thread of redemption. It says, because remember, the Adam and Eve, they sin, and they sew fig leaves together. Remember that? To cover their shame, to cover their sin. But watch what God does. The Lord God made garments of... Skin, that's something alive, okay? Something was alive. Garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed him. So God kills an animal, and he, which means he sheds blood, and he takes the garments, and he makes covers for them. So now you begin to see the red, the blood, the red scarlet of redemption begins right there, where God now has a plan, the Messiah will come, and now we see that animal sacrifice bloodletting like that that will be the source of the forgiveness of sins now I'm going to give you two things following the scarlet thread of redemption today and if you have your bible you have your phone whatever it is it'll be on the screen but follow with me and I'll do my best to, to remember all this stuff as I go along okay here we go number one in your notes and that is the scarlet thread Jesus in the old testament 
is in the Old Testament in actual appearances and 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 typology. Thank you. Thank you for reading with me. Now, like I said before, never think that he showed up 2,000 years ago. In John 1.1, I read last week, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember that? It doesn't mean that Jesus began, because we know Jesus the Word. It doesn't mean he began there. It means he always was. He was way before the beginning. He's the one who started it all, because two verses later in John 1, all things were created through him. Everything that we see, everything that we know. So he always was. Now remember this statement. Jesus is in the New Testament revealed, but he's in the Old Testament concealed. He's concealed in the Old Testament. He's there, but you've just got to look, and you'll find him if you find him, but he's in the New Testament revealed. Now, typology and appearances. I, I, I can't, you know, it would take weeks and weeks to take you through all the typology and the appearances in the Old Testament, but I'm going to give you a few. Is that okay? Okay, good, because we're talking about the Bible today and the Scarlet, the 395 Highway of Redemption here. The first one I want to show you is typology. Now, turn to Exodus chapter 12, if you would, in your Bibles. Exodus chapter 12. And if you're a Christian, you need to bring your Bible, or on your phone, you need to follow along. Because if you're a Christian, you need to know God's Word, my friend. And by the way, if you're new to Christianity and new to it, and you just got a Bible last week or this and that, I would encourage you, don't start in the New Old Testament, start in the New. You're a New Testament believer, just read, a, read, a, you know, read 10 minutes a day, start in the Gospels, never jump all over the place, read it straight through. Once you get to the end of Revelation, go back to Matthew again, and just keep doing that for about two years till you really get to know who you are as a New Testament believer. Stay in church, keep studying, and you watch how God grows you. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now watch the typology of the scarlet thread of redemption. In Exodus chapter 12, I'll read verses 1 through 7. It says, and by the way, your notes that you have on the discussion questions, they are not relevant to this right now. I had to rewrite the entire message that Charlie was going to preach. So if you're looking at that, it's not going to make sense, okay? So chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Moses, now, background. They're slaves in Egypt right now. How long have they been slaves for? Roughly, how long? 40 years. Yeah, it's over that, but it's about 40 years. He said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt, there's been nine plagues so far. Nine plagues, and Pharaoh hasn't budged yet. He will not let them go. Because dictators like power, do they not? Verse 2 says, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Now stop. It's at this moment, they do have a civil calendar like you and I, our New Year starts on January 1st, correct? They have a civil calendar too. But now in this moment of time, now begins something new. It's their religious calendar. And it will start in April. That's where the religious calendar is because they have two calendars now. They'll have it from this moment on here. This is where he's saying, you will now begin to live. You will now be delivered from slavery and from bondage, and this is where your life begins. How many of you know the date that you were born again? Any amens on that? I was born again August 12, 1979. That's the date where my calendar religiously begins. That's the date where I began to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. This is where they're going to begin to live. 
Now look at verse 3. Speak to all the congregation. This is like the first time that God describes Israel in a religious sense. You are a congregation now. It's the first time you see this. Speak to all the congregation of Israel. Saying, he's he's telling Moses, say it to them. On the 10th of this month, we would know it as April 10th. They are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now they're going to take a lamb. This is what you do. Every year at this time, they're going to be doing this now. Verse 4. Now, if the household is too small for the lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an un unblemished male a year old unblemished guys you may take it from the sheep or from the goats was Jesus sinless was he unblemished there you go there we begin to see some typology you shall keep it until the 14th day okay they get it the 10th and they keep it to the 14th how many days is that how many days was Jesus observed by the Pharisees trying to find sin in him four now you see more typology. Of the same month, in other words, now to April 14th, of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Now it's to die. Is Jesus killed after that fourth day? Say yes. Now they would bring the animal, the little lamb, goat, into the home for four days. Now, why was that? Because it becomes the family pet. And you know family pets. You begin to love your family pet, Correct? Now, it makes, this is the reasoning because once you have to kill this animal, now it's painful, is it not? And it's to show you and bring a kind of an idea of the future, it will be painful for the Messiah to die on that cross. Amen? You're to kill it at twilight, towards dark. Did not Jesus come in the darkness of our sinful lives? Any amens on that? And see more typology right there. Now, verse 7. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood. Here's where you see the, you know, doorpost lintel. Some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they are to eat it. Now, I want you to think of the imagery now and the typology. All this thing points to the Messiah to come. But take that blood, that sinless little sacrifice blood. Put the blood here. Put the blood there. Put the blood there on the doorpost and lintel. Will this blood drip down? Say yes. If it drips down from here to here and you have blood in here and here, what does it look like? Looks like the cross. That's right. Now it's pointing more and more to Jesus. This is called Passover. We know in the New Testament, Paul writes and says, Jesus is our Passover. So here's typology way back in Exodus, way back the night before, two to two and a half million people are going to be leaving. It will be set free after over 400 years. Salvation will come to their lives. Now, it gets better than that in the Old Testament. Any amens on that? Now, think about that. It's on a doorpost and lintel. But you flash forward now as the Israelites leave Egypt and the Red Sea happens and they get to, oh, they get to Jericho or outside Jericho. There's a prostitute by the name of Rahab. Anyone remember that gal? Now, Rahab, she, she's a believer by now because she hears about the signs and wonders that God is doing. So when the armies of Israel get there, the spies go in and they tell her, look, if you want to be saved, because she's putting her faith, by the way she's talking, she's believing in God now. They said, put this scarlet rope outside your, scarlet rope, yeah, put it outside your window. 
And when we see that scarlet rope outside your window, we know that you're a believer and we will leave you, you and whoever in there with you alone. Everything else is going down. And there is archaeological evidence that when the walls of Jericho fell, one section did not fall. I wonder what section is that, right? That would be old Rahab's house. But she puts that rope outside the window, much like the blood in Exodus on the doorpost and the lintel, pointing in typology to Jesus Christ, the Messiah to come. Amen? Anybody excited besides me so far? I mean, I love this stuff, okay? Can, can I keep going? Yes. Now, let me show you. An, that's just one, okay? But I, I, can't, I can't go more than that. But let me show you an appearance. Turn to John 8, 54. Watch this. New Testament gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know on your iPhones you can get there faster than I can, but here we go. John 8, 54. We're going to go to 54. Now, we went typology. Now, we'll talk appearance. Now, check this out. This is Jesus, once again, the religious and civil leaders, because the religious leaders were the governing leaders in that day. They were one and the same thing. They're mad at Jesus. And Jesus made religious leaders and government leaders angry. He just annoyed them. But here's why. Watch, here's one case of it right here. Verse 54, Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. How many of you hate when somebody brags about themselves? It's like nothing, right? It's like, we just quit bragging about yourself, okay? We know you. you know. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. Great, great wisdom there. Let God glorify you and don't glorify yourself. Verse 55. And you have not come to know him. He's, he just told the religious leaders. And you have not come to know him. You don't know God. But I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. Can you imagine the gall of Jesus? But I do know him, Jesus says, and keep his word. Verse 56, your father, no, here, here it comes, here it comes. Your father Abraham, because that's who the father of the faith is, Abraham, who lived 2,000 years before this moment. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, Jesus says. And then he adds, and he saw it and was glad. Do you understand what's going on there? Uh, it, it'll define it. Watch the definition of what's going on. Verse 57. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham? And Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was born, I am. If you're new to church, you may say, okay, big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. <laughs> Look at verse 59, show you what a big deal it is. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They're going to kill him. Because Jesus just said, I am the, I'm the I am. And they're picking up stones. You have to wonder because early on in John 8, is the adulterous woman story where they drop the stones. Now they're going to pick up maybe the same stones and throw them at Jesus? Think about that. But he says, I am. And they're angry at that. Jesus, when he says, before everyone was born, I am. What in the world is Jesus saying to them that they're so angry about this? Let me tell you. <clears throat> How many of you ever seen the movie The Ten Commandments? Okay, good. Remember when Charlton Heston, who's probably a really cool, he's a cool Moses, right? 
He goes to the burning bush. I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. If you're taking notes, it's Exodus chapter 3. But he's, he, he goes up, climbs the mountain, and he gets to the bush that is burning but's not consumed with fire. And he has this dialogue with God because he ran from Egypt 40 years ago because he killed the Egyptian. Remember that? And now God's going to call him because, well, now he's taken him through all kinds of things. Now he's ready for the mission he's supposed to live in life. We always think we're ready before we're ready. Any events? And so, um, and, and then he says, I'm sending you to go let my people go. Tell Pharaoh, let my people. God says, my people. See, God knows his people. Any amens? But he also knows who aren't his people. He knows who's living for him, and he knows who's not living for him. It's just that simple. He knows it all. And then Moses asked the question, because Moses is really hesitant now. He was eager 40 years ago, but the older he got, now he's not so eager anymore, right? If you don't jump quick when God tells you to do something, and, this, and by the way, when Holy Spirit tells you to do something, if it's boring, bland, or predictable, I guarantee it's not the Spirit of God. Because it's you thinking, I can just, no, it's always tougher. It takes more faith. And so Moses asked the question, okay, when I get there, they're going to ask me questions, God. Who should I say sent me? And God says, say, like in the movie, I am that I am has sent thee. Isn't that a great part of the movie? <laughs> That's a tetragrammatron, the self-existent one. He needs no, he's not dependent on anything. This is God. He just exists. He's the I am. Those are the holy words to a Jewish person. Flash forward to what we just read. And Jesus says to these religious and civic leaders, he says, before Abraham was born, I am. And they're mad. Because Jesus has now just told them what? I'm the guy at the burning bush. I'm God. People say, Jesus never claimed to be God. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He says, I'm God. That's an appearance of, of Jesus Christ. I'm that person. I'm that one. So you see these threads of typology and appearances of Jesus all through this Old Testament, Jewish scriptures leading to the New Testament when he comes on the scene. Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed. Any amens on that one? That's why when John the Baptist is going back to Exodus 12, when they bring the lamb in the house and they always had a sacrifice every year, why do you think when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming on the scene there to the Jordan River to be baptized, John the Baptist says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He knows the thread of redemption is here now. The one spoken of way back then, the one in typology in Exodus chapter 12, the Passover, now he's here. This is him. He's come, and he's on the scene now. That's what John the Baptist is saying. And man, it's an impactful moment. Now, now we got to look at this, because now, okay, Jim, how does this apply to, to, to me or to people I know? How do I use this in my life? Okay, here we go. That's point two. Let's take it now. The scarlet thread, Jesus, washes away the guilt and power of sin. Anyone happy about that one? Now, we typically look at just the guilt of sin, 
But now we're going to look at the power of sin too. And I'm going to show you something here, what this scarlet thread does, this Jesus on the scene, because here's the practical application for our lives. Now, <clears throat> this is the why of the scarlet thread. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. And it says this, this, this is the guilt part. Read it with me on the screen. It says, and according, start again, and according to the law, one may almost say, all things are cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is what? There's no forgiveness, right? So Jesus had to come. He's the, the, the lamb without blemish. He's sinless. It's only his blood. In the Old Testament, blood of animals only covered sin. It's like this. Look at me. God winked at sin. He closed his eye. God closed his eye to sin for one year. But when Jesus came and shed his blood, because he's a human, not an animal, in our place, he died. His blood, his body, he was sinless. Therefore, his blood is that which can save us and forgive sin. God doesn't cover sin. Now God washes sin away. Any amens of that? Any, any hallelujahs of that at all? I like that a lot, man. Now, now that's cool, is it not? But, there's more. And this is what you got to think. And why this becomes so important. Um, it's one thing to have our sins forgiven, right? But what if that was all there was and God never gave us the power not to go, not, to not overcome those sins, Right? then we'd keep going back and going back and doing the same thing, right? Right? So there's got to be more, right? Say, right? Okay, good, okay. Now let me show you something. And there's, this is, there's a lot of this stuff, but let me show it to you. Looking at my time, because I didn't time this, I just wrote it, so I don't know, I could go into like 115, I'm not sure. But. Go to Titus. Go to Titus. New Testament, you go into your Thessalonians, two of them, two of Timothy's, and then Titus. Titus is where a young man, uh, Titus, he's the pastor, and its setting is on the island of Crete in the Mediterranean. Uh, this is the setting of, of, of this book right here, where it's, this letter was taking place. There's a, there's a church plan there. Titus is the pastor on the island of Crete. Now watch verse 12, chapter 1, verse 12. It says this, watch. It says, one of themselves, a prophet, meaning one of the Cretans, Cretans that lived there, one of them, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. How'd you like somebody say that about your family, right? That wouldn't be very nice. They said stuff like that. But this is one of their own. This is like somebody in your family saying, All of us in this family. We're just a bunch of liars and evil people, and we're just lazy. That's what it'd be like saying. They're giving a self-confession. So let me tell you, historically, we know that the people here in this island of Crete, they were people of terrible, bad character. It's a fact in history at the time. And Paul sends a young man named Titus to go pastor and reach those people. How many wouldn't like that assignment? I don't know if I would either. But he sends them there. But they're bad character. They're not moral people. Which, by the way, if you're a Bible student, write this down. Acts 2, verse 11. When the Spirit of God comes down on the day of Pentecost and the church is born and the power of the Spirit's there and they begin to speak in tongues, one of the types of people there are Cretans. Cretans, these people, these lying, lazy, evil people are getting saved that day. Any amens? Never think that someone can't get saved. God can't change a person. Now, 
Okay, so God forgives them of their sin when they come to Christ, right? They're liars, they're lazy, they're evil, right? But don't they need the power to be delivered from being liars and lazy and evil? Don't they? This is where the, the threat is, is huge. This is big. And this is where we got to get our thinking wrapped around this. Okay, so at my house, in my front yard, on the other side of the sidewalk, there's a big tree. It's been there since I bought the house 21 years ago, and it got really big. The roots get big. Anybody have a tree like that? But it's really close to my water meter. So I started getting nervous. You know why, right? It's going to wrap around that water main. It's going to break it, and I won't be able to take a shower. And what led me to do this was because my water main broke the Thursday before Easter this year, another part of it. So I had to get a plumber out there to do all the work to fix it. And I thought, that's going to break down there. So I called the city. And I told them, I go, it's a nice tree. I hate to take it out, but I think it's going to break the water line. They go, well, come and check it out in about two months. Okay. Sure enough, about two months, they, they get there and they check it out and they call me and say, you know what? It's one of the most beautiful of that type trees that we know of, but you're right, it's got to come out. It's got to come out. Okay. One morning, they, I hear them out there. Wow, they're out there. I'm not kidding. It was probably like 20 minutes because they had all the right equipment, right? How many of you guys use tools? Up? If you have the right equipment, right? They came out there, they chopped that thing down like nothing, and now I look, it's already gone. Then they bring that stump grinder. And I'm thinking, man, let me ride that thing, you know? And they get that thing all broken down and everything, and it was gone. It was over. But here's the deal, guys. They didn't just chop the tree down at level and leave it there, right? They had to get the root out, right? By getting the root out, it would now stop my main line from one day being broken and thus allow the water to come into my home, correct? Now, let me tell you something. This is, this is the greatness of the scarlet thread of Jesus Christ and what it means. See, God doesn't just after go, at, go after the results like chop the tree down of our sins, correct? He goes after the root, does he not? Because you've got to go after the cause. If you don't go after the cause, guess what's going to grow back? The very same thing that we don't want to do, correct? And so God always has to go after the cause. So God, he's covering the whole thing comprehensively. Now, here's the cool thing, how I take that and apply it to, to the lives of these Cretans here on the island of Crete, Titus being the pastor. Now watch this. God's going to go after the cause. Look at chapter 3, verse 5 of Titus. And it says this. Now remember, they're liars and they're evil and they're lazy. They're bad people of bad character and they're getting saved but then Paul says this to Titus he meaning God Jesus he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness in other words you can do all the goods you want for the rest of your life and that will not get you to heaven it's just a fact we do good deeds because we become Christians we love God and we do it because we love God not because that gets me to heaven I'm already going to heaven because I believe in Jesus and His grace towards me, right? You got that, right? But according to His mercy, you know, mercy is not getting what you deserve. I deserve hell. I deserve judgment because of my sin. I'm not getting it because of the blood of Jesus and I put my faith in Him. By the washing of what? Say it. Say it. Regeneration. 
and the renewing by the just forgive us. The scarlet thread doesn't just forgive us of the guilt of sin. It washes us through regeneration. Do you hear what I said? That's going after the cause of the sin. That's the deliverance right there from the sin so we don't go back to it again. Watch what he says in 1 Peter what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 23. Watch. And I'm going to tie it together. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable. Notice, you've been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but what? Imperishable. That is through the living and enduring what? Word of God. Here's the Bible again. Word of God. Okay. When he says, you have been born of seed that is imperishable of the living word of God. The word seed, the Greek word is spermata. That sound like a word you've heard before? Sperm. We got a word sperm. I don't need to teach a biology class on sexual reproduction, right? On human reproduction, right? But when you got married and you engaged in what you engaged in, and that sperm sought out that egg. And now there's conception. And biology, which is trust the science, tells us that life begins at conception. It's fact, biological fact. Now all of a sudden, as this human begins to grow, it carries DNA, does it not? Does it not? And as it grows, it takes on characteristics. How many of you, you sit there and you say, God, my son or my daughter looks just like me. Anybody do that? When my daughter got married, I said, I told, I said as I performed the ceremony, I said, the only reason Peter's marrying her is because she looks just like me except for the mustache. <laughs> right? So I always say, Peter's secretly in love with me. It's great having the microphone, right, Peter? But anyway. But we take on the characteristics. So now, I want you to think. I want you to think now. Because let's get back to deliverance from the cause of the sin that the blood of Jesus, the scarlet thread, washes away. Once I'm born again, and the Spirit of God comes to live in me, I'm regenerated. Let me put it to you another, say it another way. I like to say it this way. It sounds corny, but I like it. I'm regenerated. I'm regenerated. I've got the genes. I've got the DNA of God now running through my spiritual veins. Any amens on that one? And because I do, and because I do read this every day, every day, and I keep getting this in me, and in me, the living word of God, and I've got the DNA of God, I've got the seed, I've got the spermata spiritually in my life, and so do you, and I keep feeding that. Now, it goes after, I'm regenerated. I'm a new person, and that delivers me from the cause of the very sins that I want to be delivered from and that I'm forgiven from. Does that make sense? No, does it make sense to you? 
Does it put an urgency in anyone to actually read? It should. Okay, if that didn't do it for you, let me try a different angle, okay? Because I, I only, oh my gosh, is it that time already? I was having a good time, so I got to go and get it. I'm just, yeah, okay. Okay, give me, give me three minutes, and then I'll, and then I'll, I'll let you run, because I just have to. Jesus in John 13. And trust me, if it's your first time here, I'm not usually this combobulated in the message all over the place, but I didn't have time to prepare. So Jesus in John 13, they're all there in the Last Supper. And that, you know, Jesus gets that bowl of water and he kneels down, he starts washing their feet. Remember that? He starts washing Peter's feet. Isn't that incredible? He's washing it because guess what? No one else is doing it. But he's giving them an object lesson. Because you see, Peter will say, don't wash my feet. No, don't do it. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And then Peter switches and he goes opposite extreme. He goes, then wash all of me. Because it was, it was customary when you came into somebody's house, and it wasn't Jesus' house, that you'd wash somebody's feet because they would bathe at home before they come over or in a, or in a bathhouse that they'd have back then, and they'd be bathed. But if they walked through the street in you know, their, their, their flip-flops or whatever kind of shoes they had, their feet would get dirty, ankles dirty, so they'd have a bowl of water and they'd wash the feet. That was the only dirty part of them. You follow me so far? Okay, good. Jesus now uses a physical object lesson to teach a spiritual reality. That's good preaching when you do stuff like that because people can see that in their mind. So Peter says, don't wash, no, no, then don't wash my feet only, wash my whole body. And Jesus says, no, I don't have to wash your whole body. You're already clean because you've already washed, you've already bathed. Then he says, but not all of you. And then he says, he who's bathed only needs to wash his feet to be clean. Now, this is fantastic. Think water, wash, think regeneration, everything, the whole thing. Who's the one who is not bathed all over? One of you is not clean. Who is it? It's Judas. Which Jesus is saying, he's not born again. He's not a believer, and I know he's not a believer. I know he sits in church here, but he's not a believer. But the other 11 of you, I know that you are a believer. I know it. Of course, he gets Judas to skedaddle. But think of what he's saying. Think of what Jesus said. If you're born again, the lesson is this. You've been completely washed. Have you not? Have you not? And so only the dirty part of you, whatever, if you sinned yesterday morning or you got mad at each other in the car or whatever, and you ask each other forgiveness, that's God to forgive you, that's where you just wash your feet, that part that's dirty. And you're forgiven. But your whole life is right standing before God. You've been regenerated. You've been washed, right? See, when you start to understand that, I'm completely clean. I'm right standing before God. The scarlet thread has come through, and I'm good. I've been, I, I've been regenerated. I got the DNA of God. I've been delivered from these things. And now I don't have to keep going back and going back because I am actually putting this stuff in me, this seed of the Word of God in me, into the DNA that's already in there, and I'm getting stronger and stronger and stronger in my spiritual life. And because of those things, I'm able to overcome the cause and the push that pushes me towards sin. Does that make sense to anybody right now? Because that's what Jesus has done. 
That's what the scar of thread. He didn't just come to deliver you from sin and forgive, uh, to forgive you of sin. He came to deliver you of all of it. When Moses stands at the Red Sea, think about this, and God says, go forth. And Moses, go forth where? You know, there's water here. He goes, go forth. Just quit crying and go forth. Okay. And boom, the sea parts because God told Moses, he says, you see those Egyptians? You see them coming back there that you've been enslaved to for 400 years? You see those guys? Yeah, I see them. Man. They're getting closer. God, hurry up. Part the sea. No, whatever. And, and he says, those Egyptians which you see today, you will never see them again. Let's go to the Sandlot movie. Forever. Right? And they're delivered, and they never see him again. See, the moment you came to Christ, you were delivered from the causation, from the power of saves. Tell him I said hi. The power of sin, slavery in your life. You're delivered. It's over. It's, the causation's done. You've been washed clean, the whole body. And now it's only the things where you sin here and there and you got to wash. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You've been delivered from the cause you've been, and you've been forgiven of the guilt of the result because of this, this red scarlet thread of redemption, Jesus Christ, that's painted throughout the whole Old Testament all the way till John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I'll tell you one more thing. The blood is going to show up one more time in the scarlet thread. This is my last thing, so stand up while I say it, okay? In Revelation 19, when we're already in heaven, whatever that is in the future, in our next, you know, after we die or whatever, but when Jesus comes back in the second coming, it says in Revelation 19, one of the characteristics is he'll be wearing a robe that's dipped in blood. And here he comes. And here he comes. The scarlet thread of redemption that redeems us all. That's just not some ordinary book. 66 letters put together speaks of Jesus from beginning to end Old Testament concealed New Testament revealed he's in there he's in there and he's your savior and you need to learn about him for the rest of your life get the DNA get the seed in you and watch what happens in your life amen, amen. let's pray and I'm done God thank you Lord Jesus thank you for getting me through this one God thank you for your goodness for your greatness to us Lord and I pray we take this message and live it. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said, Amen. Amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.